Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sports Time Machine here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Anna Kagaraikis, and each week we head down memory lane as I take you back in time and remember some of the greatest moments in sports history. Leave your flux capacitor at home. All you need to do is subscribe to the show on iTunes or any of your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Lots of interesting things happened this week in sports history. From one of the most controversial moves in the NFL where a team snuck out of their city in the middle of the night to players standing up to owners for the first time in a sports history. And you'll hear the story of an April Fool's joke that didn't go over so well. But no joke here, we also have the story of a teenage girl who struck out the great Bambino. So many interesting things happened this week in history. And to find out more, let's hop into the Sports Time Machine. Rose. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Gotta get back in time. We start first on March 29th with a little madness. March Madness. In 1982, at the 44th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, North Carolina took down Georgetown University in New Orleans 63-62 in the final game of the tournament. The game was close the entire time, with both teams going back and forth the entire night. 32 seconds remaining. The Tar Heels were behind, and Coach Dean Smith called for a timeout. Whatever he said in that huddle seemed to work. The Tar Heels took the court again. Then with 16 seconds left on the clock, a freshman by the name of Michael Jordan took a jump shot to give North Carolina the lead and the win at 63-62. Tar Heel small forward James Worthy would be named the tournament's most outstanding player and also become a future Hall of Famer. It was the team's first national title since 1957. Smith coached the UNC Tar Heels for a total of 36 seasons and took the team to the NCAA tournament 25 times. He earned one more national championship title in 1993 and 17 ACC titles. Exactly two years later, on a snowy night in 1984, the NFL Colts left the city of Baltimore in the dead of night and headed for Indianapolis. Then-owner Robert Ursay is one of the most hated names in Baltimore. The city of Baltimore refused to help fund a new stadium, and Ursay began shopping the team to other cities. On March 27, 1984, the Maryland Senate passed legislation allowing Baltimore to seize ownership of the team via eminent domain. The next day, Ursay quickly made a deal with the city of Indianapolis, and in the early hours of March 29th, the team loaded its equipment in a fleet of Mayflower moving vans and took off for Indy, leaving loyal fans in Baltimore devastated. A long, agonizing, frustrating two and a half months of waiting and wondering 
if the Baltimore Colts would be leaving town for good at the whim of owner Robert Ursay. It has happened. The shock is setting in. Emotions are running high. We didn't have to wait long to find out what was going to happen. It looked like a scene from an old mystery picture. A fleet of large moving vans in the rain at the Colts complex in Owings Mills. And inside, coach Frank Cush directing the project of heading them up and moving them out. Guards kept the media and the fans away. And then in the early morning, the vans began to roll out and head west. Baltimore tried to get back in the game but was repeatedly denied a new franchise by then-NFL Commissioner Paul Tagliabue. The city realized its only way to get back in the NFL was to entice another city's team to move there. Enter Art Modell and the Cleveland Browns. The Browns moved to Baltimore, and on the same date, March 29, in 1996, the team officially changed its name to the Baltimore Ravens. Luckily, Cleveland only had to wait two years to get another franchise. But how did they decide the name? Well, it was all thanks to a telephone poll conducted by The Sun. Of 33,288 votes, 21,108 of them picked the name Ravens. 5,597 chose Americans and 5,583 selected Marauders. Now, to this day, many still may not know the literary reference to the Raven as it is the name of the famous poem by Edgar Allan Poe, who is actually buried in Baltimore. And the bird said, nevermore. Now, some other possible names that were on the board were the Baltimore Bombers, Railers, and Steamers, all paid homage to locomotives as it was the birthplace of the nation's railroad industry. But there was also the Mustangs. Unfortunately, it was too close to the name of the Colts. There was also the Bulldogs, the Rhinos, the Pickpockets, and I kid you not, the Baltimore bacteria was thrown around. I'll be honest, after this past year, that's probably the scariest name on the list. March 30th, 1990. Jack Nicklaus made his debut on the Senior PGA Tour with a 71 one under par in the first round of the tradition at Desert Mountain. Nicklaus had a 71 on Friday, a 5 under 67 yesterday, capped off with that incredible eagle at 18. He chipped in a 30-footer downhill with a sand wedge. Nicholas started off the day with a two-shot lead. Back-to-back -back birdies at 14 and 15 after the rain delay really put this one away. And here's Jack. What an incredible week it's been here at the Tradition. The big four of golf back, Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, Lee Trevino, and Jack Nicholas. That says it all. Ten under. Beautiful tournament. Four under 68 in his final round. A four-stroke margin of victory. Nicholas won the event by four strokes from Gary Player. Now it was on March 30th in 2020, the International Olympic Committee announced it would postpone the 2020 Summer Olympic Games to the following year in 2021 because of the COVID pandemic. The games are now scheduled to open July 3rd, 2021, and close on August 8th. March 31st. In 1998, the Milwaukee Brewers became the first baseball team since the inception of the American League in 1901 to switch MLB leagues. With the rare on-field appearance, Hank Aaron helped Milwaukee's historic return to the senior circuit in the team's inaugural game as a National League team. 
Unfortunately, the Brewers were lose to the Braves 2-1 to in Atlanta. Now, on that same exact day, same year, the Devil Rays would make their Major League debut as the newest American League team. But they would also lose to the Tigers 6-2. Also on that day, Cardinals' Mark McGuire went on to hit the first of his historic 70 home runs, going deep off Ramon Martinez in the fifth inning of St. Louis's 6-0 victory over L.A. at Bush Stadium. Fly ball to left. Collinsworth going back on the ball. Looking up, it's a grand slam home run. McGuire became the first player in franchise history to hit a grand slam on opening day. April 1st, 1972. At 12.01 a.m., baseball players staged the first ever collective player strike in Major League history because of player pensions and arbitration. The strike lasted 12 days and canceled 86 games. Then no joke, April 1st, 20 years to the day after MLB players started their first strike, NHL players staged a strike of their own in the first league-wide strike. The season of the NHL was supposed to be one of celebration, and in fact, the season began with all kinds of celebrations. But this season is very much in danger of ending without celebration, of ending in disastrous fashion. The NHL had never suffered through a player strike in the 75 years. That has now changed. At 3 o'clock Eastern time, we all heard the news we didn't want to hear, but what we expected to hear. We begin with the announcement, the dreaded announcement from Bob Goodenough. The vote results prove the player dissatisfaction with the owner's final offer. That offer was rejected by a vote of 560 to 4. On its face, the ballot stated that the player could accept or reject the owner's last proposal, but that a vote to reject was a vote to strike at 3 p.m. April 1st, 1992. The players who voted 564 and 4 against the strike demanded a new collective bargaining agreement. After about 10 days, an agreement was finally reached and the strike was over. In 2016, the Golden State Warriors' NBA record-winning home run ended at 54 games after falling to the Celtics 109-106. Steph Curry narrowly missed a long three-pointer to tie the game with 5.3 seconds left. It was the Warriors' first home loss in more than 14 months, their last defeat being against the Bulls on January 27th in 2015. That unbeaten run in Oakland included 36 straight home wins to start that season. Now that same morning at shoot-around, head coach Steve Kerr attempted a little prank on Draymond Green. Now Kerr told Green he wasn't playing that night against the Celtics. He went on to say, quote, It didn't get much of a laugh and Draymond glared at me, so it didn't go over well. I told him I was going to give him the night off because he needed rest. He just glared at me. I said, April Fools, and nobody left. And I said, all right, it's time to start practice. Yeah, obviously that April Fools joke went nowhere. April 2nd, 1931. As the story goes, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a teenage girl named Jackie Mitchell struck out Babe Ruth. 17-year-old Vern Beatrice Jackie Mitchell Gilbert was one of the first female pitchers in professional baseball history. 
a southpaw. She pitched for the Chattanooga Lookouts Class AA Minor League Baseball team in an exhibition game against the New York Yankees. Now here's how it all went down. In front of 4,000 fans, Ruth tipped his hat to Mitchell and stepped in the box. She went into her left-handed sidearm delivery and delivered her drop ball, which missed the zone for a ball. Ruth swung and missed at the next two pitches before taking the next pitch on the outside corner that the umpire ruled a strike. The slugger threw his bat on the ground in disgust with the call, but facts were facts. A 17-year-old girl just struck out the Sultan of Swat. Then she did the same thing to Lou Gehrig. He swung and missed three straight pitches. April 3rd, 1987. The history of baseball relievers is changed forever when the Oakland Athletics acquire struggling starter Dennis Eckersley from the Chicago Cubs for three minor leaguers. Eckersley was coming off one of the worst years of his career with Chicago. He got the news he was being traded to Oakland and said he was going home. Eck was born in Oakland and raised in Fremont, where he starred at Washington High. A year later for the Green and Gold, he was saving 45 games for a 104-win team. He'd go on to save 320 games in nine years spent in Oakland, ultimately winding up in Cooperstown with 390 career saves. Eckersley would go on to be one of the greatest closers in baseball history. And finally, to close up the week, we remember one of the most memorable opening days in baseball history. April 4th, 1974. 3-1 pitch. There's a drive into left field. That ball is going, going, and out of here. Henry Aaron has just tied Babe Ruth in the all-time home run parade. The crowd is up. As you would expect, a standing ovation. His teammates are there to greet him. A three-run blast by Henry Aaron has tied the great Babe Ruth. The record they said that couldn't be reached has just been reached by Henry Aaron. He picked on a 3-1 Jack Billingham pitch, and here it is again. There wasn't much doubt. Pete Rose, I think, knew it was gone the minute it was hit. He starts back. But he knows that it's going to be over him. And Rose, who usually runs right to the fence. And now another ovation for Aaron. As you see it go out of the park again on instant replay, the crowd has given Aaron a tremendous ovation here. 7-14 has been hit. The last time that a home run by that number was hit was on May 25th at Pittsburgh, of course, by Babe Ruth. His last home run. Nobody knew that. There was not much flourish when the Bambino did it because they were used to his record. But Henry Aaron has done it with all the pressure in the world. Hank Aaron waited all offseason to tie Babe Ruth. And he did it in his first at-bat on opening day. A great way to start the season. And now it's time for a few birthday shout-outs. Happy birthday this week to Cy Young, Earl Campbell, Billy Bean, Richard Sherman, Gordie Howe, Mark Jackson, Bill Romanowski, 
and the first African-American basketball player in the NBA, Earl Lloyd. And that'll do it today for Sports Time Machine. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate Sports Time Machine on iTunes. And we're also available on all your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Anna Kagarakis. That's K-A-G-A-R-A-K-I-S. And I'm also on Instagram at Anna Kags. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for heading down memory lane with me. I'm Anna Kagarakis, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.